So we need to do a couple things today before we get into the message, all right? I'm excited about this sermon from the book of Nehemiah, and I'll try to catch our guest up to kind of where we are in Nehemiah chapter 11. But before I do that, we, a couple things. First of all, how many of you, just by a show of hands and then show of feet, by using your feet to stand, how many of you are going back to school soon, or you're a teacher, a principal, an educator, or somewhere in that realm, would you just raise your hand for just a minute? Okay, God bless you. Now, would you stand to your feet? All right. So cool. Look at all these students and teachers and educators. All right. Okay, hold on, hold on. Just keep, keep standing. Man, look at this. Isn't this awesome? We've got lots of students going back to school. We've got principals, assistant principals, teachers, and educators on, on all, all levels. It's fantastic that you are standing. Now, if you're 96 years of age today, would you stand? <laughs> Wynn Pinkston is, so uh, God bless Wynn Pinkston. He's, there he is, He's 96 today. Amen. Awesome, awesome. All right, I got one more for us. If you turn 90 this week, would you stand? Any, anybody? Oh, here we go. All right, good. We got one. Turn 90. <laughs> Man. So, Brother Tom, God bless him. How are you doing, Tom Stennis? God bless you. It's good seeing you playing the violin a minute ago. That's awesome. Praise the Lord. Man. All right, so what I want to do is begin the message. I really want to pray for you guys and gals, especially as you go back into school and a new year for you, all those challenges and opportunities. So let me, let me do that for you. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you for these that have stood. And Lord, whether they're students or educators or whatever their role and responsibility is, I pray for them, God. I ask you to bless them, whether they're college, university, homeschool, high school, middle school, elementary, whatever it is, Lord, whatever it is, I pray for them, that you would bless them, God. And I pray that 2017 and 18 would be their greatest year yet, that the fall and the spring semesters coming up uh, would be glorious, God, that you would bless them in their education or in their career. And, Lord, I just ask favor of God upon them. Could it be, Lord, at the end of this year, some would come back to me and say, you know what? Thank you for praying because this was absolutely the best year of my life. Just the best year. So I pray that. Thank you, Lord, for those that have stood in the years that you've given them, Lord. For Brother Wynn Pinkston, for Pastor O'Chester, Brother Tom Stennis. Thank you, Lord, for these men of God. Blessings upon them. And so now, Lord, as we turn our focus to the Word of God, Lord, as we open it, as we share from it, as we preach it, oh, God, pray that you would just come down upon us, Lord. Speak to us, oh, God. Challenge us. And build us up, Lord, where we are faltering and where we need to be strengthened. And, Lord, where we need to be convicted and, and challenged. Holy Spirit, would you do those things? For this is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. For we trust in our God. Woo, that's all over me. I'm just, I'll just sing that for the next 45 minutes. That'd be fun, wouldn't it? No. So Nehemiah chapter 11 is our text, and I want to bring you kind of up to speed where we are. We're kind of this plane that took off around January, and it got up to about 30,000 feet. Now she's making her descent into 11, 12, and 13. You may look at chapter 11 and go, how in the world are you going to preach a message out of people's names and where, where they are from? 
Well, I want to be a faithful expositor to the Word of God, and I want to dive into this, and I'm going to read you some names, folks. Listen, being a country boy from Alabama, I'm just going to butcher these Hebrew names and cities and towns and villages. I can't, you know, I'll just probably try to say them real fast, try to fool you like I really know what I'm saying. But there are some jewels, there are just some gold within Nehemiah chapter 11. I want to try to extract that from you and pray that the Holy Spirit just extrapolate the truths from the Word of God to your heart today. So we started out around January and Nehemiah as he is commissioned. He's really let go by King Artaxerxes to go back to Jerusalem and to rebuild the ruinous wall. Really, they didn't have a wall anymore since really since 586 when the Babylonians destroyed and deported the Jews hundreds and hundreds of miles away, other culture away over in uh, Babylon. Now the Medes and the Persians are in control, and Cyrus in 538 said, uh, okay, let God's people go, and you guys can go back. And they did, and they went back in three successive, uh, really reverse deportations, right? They were deported in the first instance, and now they are returning in three waves, Zerubbabel, Ezra, and now Nehemiah. Zerubbabel, the governor, you got Ezra, the priest who helped rebuild the temple and reinstate temple worship. And now Nehemiah comes around 444, and he's the new governor. And his main job, and man, what a leader, what a stellar leader he was, and what an example he is for all leaders today. He gathered the troops, he dealt with opposition, he, he rallied them, he motivated them, and in 52 remarkable days, they rebuilt the wall. Now get this, 140-something years, that wall had been broken down. And not only was the wall broken down, really the community was in disarray because that wall represented a lot. It represented protection and security. But more than that, it represented the fact that Jerusalem is in business. That God has not forsaken his people. God is here and God loves Jerusalem. And now this wall is rebuilt. And man, they just have revival. Nehemiah chapters 8 and 9, revival at the water gate and Man, the people are confessing their sins. They're reading the Word of God. They're praising the Lord. And they're just, they're entering into the time of the feast, the booths, the tabernacles. And they're just, man, it's a glorious time. Chapter 10, they sign a document that says, we will trust in the Lord our God. That's what they did. They said, we will trust in God. We don't want to commit the sins of our fathers, those egregious acts that brought upon us the retribution, the punishment of God. We don't want to do those things. We want to honor God and serve God. And so we sign a covenant. There Nehemiah is. Chapter 10, man, you see the first name, all these names is the name Nehemiah. And he says, I want to lead the way and I want us to seek God, serve God, and I do not want us to renege on God. Let's keep our covenants that we're making with God. Then chapter 11 comes. It's a fascinating chapter. As I've read it and studied it and tried to pronounce the names, I'm saying, Lord, what is this that you want us to see in Nehemiah chapter 11? And sprinkled through Nehemiah 11 are words like this, and the rest. And the rest of the Israelites did this and that. And the rest of the brethren did this or that. And in fact, I think there's 824, 248, 124. There's these different numbers sprinkled throughout Nehemiah chapter 11 with nobody's name associated with it, just the generic Y'all, okay, you guys, the rest of you. And just in one broad stroke, Nehemiah includes, and I call them, un, 
unsung heroes. They, don't have, a, they have a name, but their names are not mentioned. Now, I'm going to read you some names. The, these names that I will read are kind of like the heads of the father's houses. And they are the people that, that were the leaders, and, and their names are mentioned. But really, the whole message, I think, of Nehemiah chapter 11 is all of these things are made possible because of those you only get their number, but you never get their name. Do you, anybody like that today? You, you feel like that today? You say, well, I kind of feel like that. I feel like that in my job. I feel like that in my church. I feel like that in my neighborhood. I feel like that in my business. It seems like I don't get any accolades or recognition or honor. All of that goes to somebody else. But I guarantee you, if I didn't do my job, this place would not exist. This sermon is for you. And I'm excited about it. Because it's true. In a sports team, in a business, in a corporation, in a church, in a neighborhood, it's the silent folk behind the scenes getting the job done that make possible all that we see and enjoy. So you can just kind of go ahead and do like how Blake Shelton does on The Voice. He goes, point. Point at him. It's you that I'm talking about today, and I praise God for you. So here we are, Nehemiah chapter 11, verse 1 says, Now the leaders of the people dwelt at Jerusalem. And that is a big statement, as you'll see in a moment. The leaders lived not in suburbia, not in the adjacent surrounding cities, communities, and towns and neighborhoods. No, they moved into Jerusalem with all the stumps and the debris and the rocks and the mess. You ever finished a construction project? You, you remember what it looks like? How many of you ever built a house and built your own home? Now, not physically, but you know what I'm saying. You, you did all that work. Man, you go to that site, and you're looking and going, wow, what a mess. But there it is. That's the wall. It's, it's done. It's completed. But wow, look at all the mess. Who in the world would want to live in Jerusalem? Not me. I don't live in this city. I'm going to live out in the suburbs. But the leaders lived in Jerusalem. And the rest of the people cast lots. Now, this was before Pentecost, right? Before the Holy Spirit comes and abides with these people and gives us direction and day-by-day and -day leadership, Oftentimes, they would cast lots and draw sticks, if you will, and try to determine what is the will of God. And the rest of the people cast lots to bring, watch this, one out of ten to come live in Jerusalem. The holy city, I love that. I love that little nomenclature, that little word in apposition. Jerusalem, the holy city of God. Do you see, times have changed. Jerusalem is not in disarray. Jerusalem is not unholy, filled with marauding invaders. No, Jerusalem is the city of God, Zion. It's where the people of God live, and we are back in business. God is here. I mean, we, I, I, we, God has brought us through the darkest night, and the sun is shining brightly in the holy city. And nine-tenths were to dwell in other cities. So you got one out of every ten was chosen to come out of the suburbia, out of their communities and towns and their neighborhoods and make the sacrifice and move to Jerusalem. And the people blessed them. The people said, way to go, men and women and families. Way to go. Way to come in and help rebuild Jerusalem, our economy, our military, and our daily affairs. We need you. We, we need help. And so Thank you, leaders, for leading the way. And thank you, guys, when your name was chosen, you didn't rebel, you didn't become recalcitrant, you didn't argue, you just came on in and you lived here. Thank you. God bless you. Those people who offered themselves willingly to dwell at Jerusalem, 
Yeah, it's interesting. There's two different translate or really interpretations here. If your name was chosen, then how willing was that? <laughs> but listen to this. If your name was chosen, I believe you could have said thanks, but no thanks, go ask somebody else. But nobody did that. When their name was chosen, they said, honey, uh, kids, we're moving. But, 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 but my, my kids, my friends, no, I'm sorry, we're, we're moving. But, but my, my neighborhood, my job, no, God wants us to move. Woo, they pulled the, the God card. You ever did that on somebody? Well, God's calling me, and they're like, oh, he pulled the God card on me. I guess, I guess it's all right, you know. And so they moved to Jerusalem. Now, here we go. Here's, here comes some names. Well, y'all just bear with Brother Danny. Here we go. Their brethren who did the work of... Oh, come on now. Their brethren? That's the unsung heroes. The brothers who did the work. That's usually the way it is. <laughs> Those whose names aren't mentioned get the bulk and the lion's share of the work done. Am I preaching truth or what? Y'all help me now. Isn't this true? Those whose names are not mentioned, they're the ones that usually get the job done. Their brethren of the house were 822. Where are their names? Well, it's not important. Just, just know that there were 822. And Adadiah, the son of Jehoahaz, the son of him, and Amzi, and the son of Zechariah, the son of Pasher, the son of Malchijah, I guess. Now watch this. What's the next three words say? And his brethren. Don't y'all like this? And the brothers. The rest of the people. The heads of the father's houses were 242. 242 heads of house. What, what, what were their names? Well, Nehemiah doesn't feel led of the Holy Spirit to record everybody's name. He's just saying, they're every number, there's a correlating name. Just trust me. They, there are 242 of them. And Amishai, the son of Azarel, the son of Isaiah, something, son of him, the son of Emmer. Okay? Y'all with me? What's the next three words say? And the brethren. And the brothers. Now, these brothers were 128, and they were mighty men of valor. These were, your, these were your military guys. And it's not mentioning all 128 of them, but I'm telling you, you couldn't live without these guys because there are still people that hate Jerusalem. There are still armies lying out who would love to come in and destroy everything that has been built from the temple to the economy, to the military, to the wall. There are enemies all around us. And there are these 128 raw-bone Israeli strong men of God doing their job to protect. Their overseer was Zabdiel. And that's just the way it goes. You know, the, the pastor, the CEO, the, the owner, he gets his name mentioned, right? And that's just, that's just the way it is. Zabdiel, he's, the, he's in charge, all right? The son of one of the great men. And now you got a bunch of Levites. Shemaiah, the son of Hashab, the son of huh, Hazrikam, the son of Hashabiah. Hashabiah. On the count of three, everybody say Hashabiah. One. Can you count? Come on now. <laughs> oh. On the count of three. You say, what are we doing? We're saying Hashabiah. Two, three, Hashabiah. I like that name. The son of, thank you, like a rabbit, bunny, boonie. Shabbatiah and Josabad of the heads of the Levites had the oversight. Oh, look at this. All those guys had the oversight of the business outside 
of the house of God. We'll talk about that in a minute. Now, here comes this next guy, and I'm just reading you the text. I, I was reading it again this morning, just studying it and looking at it, going, oh, there's more here, Lord, than what I realize. And I, I, could, I could share another message on some of these other names, but I have to include him. Mataniah, the son of Micah, the son of Zabdi, the son of Asaph, the leader. Now, his name is mentioned, and this is what his responsibility was. He began the day with a thanksgiving prayer. He was the guy in charge of saying, All right, everybody, come on, let's get together. Let's pray to God. Let's ask God's blessing upon our temple, upon our community, upon our homes and our businesses, and let's just come together. And my name is Mataniah, by the way. His name means gift of Yahweh. Gift of Yahweh. Let me, let me encourage you to mess with people the next time they ask you, well, who's your favorite biblical character? You say, well, besides Jesus, it's Mataniah. And you'll look all pious and educated and say, Mataniah means gift of Yahweh. He was a man of prayer. And so he prayed, and he kind of started us off in, in worship in the temple. He prayed the prayer of thanksgiving. Back, back, Bukiah, him, the second among his brethren, just the brethren, right? And Abda, the son of Shamua, the son of Galal, the son of Jeduthun. There we go. All right, so trying to read the text, try to give you an overview of what, what we're going to be looking at. We're going to look at four characteristics or key things about salient features or attributes of unsung heroes. Now, sprinkled throughout the unsung heroes are names, and we get that. We, we understand that. That's just, that's just reality. Uh, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12, some of us are eyes, some of you are hands. Some of you are conspicuous, most of you aren't. I mean, how, I mean we, don't, we don't see different parts of the body. Are they less important? No, they're actually more important for certain things, right? But that's just the way it is. And so what about us? What about you who are the unseen, unspoken, unheralded? I just want to preach a whole sermon about you. Number one, you're, you're a volunteer. You're a volunteer. As I said in, in verse one, they, they, even though their names were chosen, the lots were cast, they, they volunteered. Remember, it says they willingly offered themselves. And so unsung heroes, first of all, they, they're volunteers and they're glad to sign up. The Bible says in verse 2 that the people of God blessed Barak, is the Hebrew word. It's in the PL intensive. I, I, don't, I don't get excited about a whole lot of verb stems in the Hebrew, but I do about this one because whenever PL is used, it means really intense. It means not only did the Jerusalem community, the Israeli community, not only did they say thank you people, but they really thanked them. You with me? They said thank you, doubly thank you, because you're leaving your home, you're leaving the comfortable, and, and you're willing to move into Jerusalem, and you're offering yourself willingly. And, and, and don't be facetious. Don't, don't think the worst of people. Don't think you're, you're, they're just glad because they weren't chosen. <laughs> no, don't think that. Just think of it like this. They were chosen. God did ask them to go. And they said, like, was it Isaiah? Remember Isaiah chapter 6, verse 8? When the Lord says, whom shall I send? Who will go for us? And Isaiah says, here am I. Y'all see that? Here am I, oh God. Send Bob. <laughs> no, no. Send Sue. No. Send, what does it say, church? Send in me. Here am I. My lot was chosen. 
Here I am, O God, you in your omniscience, in your sovereign election, in your predestined grace. God, you chose me to go do that. Here I am, private, reporting to duty, King Jesus. Here I am, send me. And listen, when that happens, and when that happens on a grand scale, the people of God rise up and say, way to go. That's really good. Thank you. Thank you for volunteering, for offering to give of yourself to, to go. You say, well, I'm still having a hard time about this whole Jerusalem. What's the big deal about moving to Jerusalem? Well, let, let, me, let me try to paint a picture for you about what Jerusalem looked like. Stones and sticks and debris. And it's kind of like you got to start over. <laughs> you know, you ever built your home and get it all like you want it? And, and God says it's time to start over. And that's happened to me. You're like, man, that's painful. And so when we were in Arkansas, uh, we bought three, three and a half acres, and we built our dream home, didn't we, Ashley? I'm looking for my wife. Is she in the house somewhere? Oh, there she is. God bless you. Glad you come to church today. That's always good. <laughs> Pastor's wife comes to church, amen? She does every Sunday. She started greeting, y'all. She's a greeter. She greets, and I love that. And um, getting ahead of my sermon because I'm, I'm going somewhere with this sermon. Some of you are like, where is he going with this? He's coming. It's going to be on like Donkey Kong. I mean, I'm coming like after you to say, what are you doing for God in the church? Well, I need a title. No, you don't. <laughs> I need somebody to recognize you. God knows. So I'm in Arkansas. We're building this dream home. We build it. We live in it for 18 months, and Rob Hatley calls and changes my life, right? We're praying. I'm praying and fasting. We got these names. We've narrowed them down to three, two. We believe God's calling you. I'm like, oh, my. Here we go. So when we moved to Arkansas, we built a house, and we sodded the front, and we just let the back go. The back, I mean, I, mean, I don't sod for three acres. Help me now. That's, that's a few shekels, right? And so we said, here's what we'll do. We'll take care of it. So Bryant and Layton and I in a wheelbarrow. We went in those two and a half acres, and we, I never seen there were so many rocks and debris and trash and just things that had to be taken care of. And once we'd clean it all up, we'd like, yes, we're done. It would rain, and shazam, they all come back. They, the, all the rocks underneath, they just come back. And Brightly, listen, y'all know my sons, Brightly, just get on their nerves sometimes. Say, tell me about the rocks in Arkansas. When you were talking to my dad, that was awful. I mean, we, hey, listen, I taught them a lot about hard work, the discipline, the hard work. And so they get out there, and so, man, it was just work and work. What if you had to do that for a city? You have a whole city. Oh, Lord, move to Jerusalem, really? <laughs> we got everything kind of going good here, but God says, no, go. And so they did. They volunteered, and they went. Now, the word volunteered is the Hebrew word nadab. It's translated willingly offered, right, in verse 2. But a good translation is to present spontaneously and to offer yourself freely, or it just sheer means volunteer. And, and again, and I'm, I'm wrestling with this text in my mind. I'm like, really? They're volunteering. It, it's spontaneous. They're offering themselves willingly, but, but their lot was chosen. <laughs> I mean, how... Why must volunteerism, if your name is chosen, you know? 
But it's still, it's what it says. It says their names were chosen, but, and I think that's all the more rich meaning here. They could have said thank you, but no thank you. But once their name was chosen, once God said go, they just went. And the people rose up and they said, way to go. We appreciate you guys. Y'all got your work cut out for you. So they're volunteers. Number two, they're willing. They're just willing. Not obstinate, but, but willing workers. Let me read the names to you. Not the names, but the numbers. 822 workers. 242 workers in verse 14. Again, in verse 14, 128 workers. No names, but a number. Verse 12 says, they did the work of the house. What does that mean? Do the work of the house. Not only did they have to clear some land for them to live, but they had to keep on preparing the, the landscape, the topography of Jerusalem so it could get back to normal living. I like what Chuck Swindoll says. He, he goes, quote, The temple did not have ushers, television technicians, and lighting technicians. The temple did not have structural engineers as we have in some of our churches today, but you better believe that everybody in that group had a very important job, end of quote. And I agree with him. Everybody, though their names are not given, their number is. And they, they volunteered and they offered themselves willingly. And it was important. The work had to be done. If it's not done, there's no Jerusalem. If the people don't come and get busy and work, there is no temple if people don't roll up their sleeves and say, no, don't worry about that, brother. Don't, don't worry about calling my name, putting my name in the lights. Don't worry about that. I'm just here because God told me to come, and I'm ready to work. What do you need me to do? I'm here. Oh, that their tribe would increase. More than any other time that I've ever seen in my life and in my ministry, in this church, this is what we need. This is what we need. We need you to step up and say, what do you want? What do you need? I need you to go up there and pick up trash. Praise God! Whoa, I got a job. I'm going to go pick up trash in the temple precincts. Good for you. We need you to be a deacon. What do deacons do? Well, they serve, they help, they pray, and they just get the job done. Then deacon me, I will be. Let me deacon for the, G the Lord Jesus. I'll be a deacon. We need, we need people to serve in the I almost said the military. Mercy, help me, Lord. We, we, we need people in these seats up here. All right. Just kidding. I can't do anything there. See, I can't do this, though. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Man, we need you, especially if you're 40 years of age and younger. Just, just saying. So what's wrong with our senior adult choir? Nothing's wrong with our senior adults. I love our senior adults, but come on, guys. They've been carrying the bucket. They've been carrying the load. Couldn't somebody come up and join them and say, I'll sing praise to God. I'll help out. This is, this is my church. This is my time. And ooh, stay with me, stay with me. Brother Danny, I can't carry a note in a bucket. Don't matter. God said get in the choir. Get your honey in the choir, honey. 
Get in the choir and raise your hands and praise the Lord. Croak like a frog if you have to, all right? Get in the choir. You play an instrument? Well, I used to play in high school. Get in there and play, brother. Well, I don't really know. What else are you doing in church? Not a darn thing. Get in, get in there. Man, all these good, godly people from Cornerstone Community Church are leaving, and they're moving to Jerusalem. And Stu, you know it, brother. It ain't easy. And it's going to be hard. And I'm praying for them, and I believe it's going to be amazing. I believe it's going to be fantastic, but it's going to be hard. They're all signed up to be missionaries. Man, it's cool. I'm going to be a church planner. Let me tell you something. i got other adjectives for it. Cool ain't one of them. Hard is. Rewarding is. Salvation is. But when they depart and the deacons leave and the Bible Life Connect Group teachers leave, half of our missions committee leaves, who's going to step up? Who's going to say, I'm a volunteer. I'm a willing worker. What do you need? What do you need? God is so good. The time is right for this sermon. I'm not smart enough to put it all together and say, well, here's the time I'm supposed to preach this. No, but this is the time. We need people in the worship care to keep kids. Wow, what a thankless job. You get urinated on. It's just amazing. It's like, whew. Change that stinky diaper. And you, you know, and the preacher goes over 30 minutes. Come on! 12.30, this kid's driving me crazy. Crazy kid. Get him, get him, come, please. Rescue me, oh God. Listen, if you don't have a servant's heart, you're not going to last out there in the preschool ministry. You just you ain't going to do it. Hey, I'm, I'm going to say something bold. It's going to make some of you mad. I have the spiritual gift of making people mad. <laughs> I made some of you mad at 11 o'clock. You come straggling in. I said, I wonder if you'd go to work at 11.05. You tell me that. And I'm here to praise Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise Jesus. Oh, come on now. Um, what was I saying about the preschool and the nursery? Workers. Make you mad. Oh, yeah. I'm. I'm good at that. Oh, this is it. If you have preschoolers, you need to be working in the preschool ministry. You need to sign up every month, every six weeks, whatever, and say, you keep my kids, you clean their diapers, I'm going to clean your kids' diapers. That's what Ashley did. She, we raised those little ones. She would go in there. She would serve her time. But no, no, Brother Dan, you don't understand. This is, no, this, is, this, is, this is for Jerusalem back then. This is not for Great Hills today because, see, somebody else will do it. Guys, we've been saying that for a long time. And we're almost at a crisis point that we need. Of course, we need money. We always need money. That's a whole other sermon. But we need volunteers. We need a, watch this, a revival of volunteerism. So singing in the choir, is that what God's called you to do? Play an instrument, teach a class? Be a greeter. Oh my word, we need, we need greeters. We constantly need people serving in first and prayer. Okay, number three. So what was number one? Volunteers. Number two, you're willing. Number three, you take on the hard jobs. You tackle 
the hard jobs. Verse 15, 16 says, The Levites had the oversight of the business outside of the house of God. What would that be? Come on, maintenance. Come on, cleaning up the shrubs and the debris. One writer puts it this way. It talks about supplies, maintenance, landscaping. Also, it could include judging and handling civil or daily affairs. Another writer says, some supervised the maintenance of the building while other people prayed. That's pretty cool. Some did the maintenance of the building. They rode the golf carts around. It was 182 degrees. They're riding the golf carts around. Can I give you a ride? When other people came in, in a moment, a guy's going to stand up and he's going to pray. Who's more important? I'm tempted to say the guy in the golf cart. I really am. Because if the guy in the golf cart doesn't make a good impression on a first-time guest, they ain't coming back. I've got the data and the proof to prove that. We literally have people coming to Great Hills Baptist Church, and they're driving up in the parking lot, and they are leaving. They don't even get out of their car because nobody's there to greet them. They don't see anybody. They think, where in the world do you even get into the monstrosity of a place? And they leave. Documented. Leave. You say, well, Brother Danny, I know my job. I'm going to get out in the parking lot. I'm going to sweat like a crazy person, and I'm just going to get out there and love on people and bring them into Jesus. Whoop. Praise the Lord. Let me do a little something another. Yeah. Would you do that? You said, but would anybody really recognize me? God will. Okay? They do the odd jobs, the hard, the hard jobs. Y'all ever heard the name of Booker T. Washington? Renowned black educator, Tuskegee Institute. He's the president. He's just the newly elected president. Brilliant. Genius. And he's walking through a neighborhood of some, of some wealthy white people. Okay? And he's walking through the neighborhood, and this lady says, Hey, mister, would you like me to give you a few dollars so you can chop my wood? Yes, she did. She said, uh, you're, you're, you're black, I'm white, you need to come serve me. And I'll offer you a few dollars. And Booker T. Washington, you know what he did? He laid hands on that woman, beat her with an inch of her life. He said, yes, ma'am, I'll be glad to. He said, Where, where's the wood? What do I need to do? She said, well, sir, this is condescending, you know. Just get over there. You'll see it. There's just a bunch of wood. I need it chopped up. I need it stacked by the furnace, and I'll give you a few dollars. Thank you. That's, appreciate it. He went out there and did it. I mean, he's just elected the president of Tuskegee Institute. He's rolling up his sleeves. He's pouring sweat, and he stacks it up neatly. Bless you, ma'am. Honored to be able to help you today. And he walks on, and a, and a young teenager saw him. She goes, oh, my word. <laughs> That's Booker T. Washington. And she went and told the lady. And she said, ma'am, do you, you know who you just hired for about a half a day? That's Booker T. Washington. And she was mortified. Next morning, knocking on his door. Knocking on his door. Can I have an appointment with the president, please? I, ne I need to talk to him. I, I need to apologize the way I treated him yesterday. I, I, I'm so sorry. And she went into his office and she said, Sir, I, I had no idea. Would you please forgive me? And this is what he said. It's perfectly all right, madam. Occasionally, I enjoy a little manual labor. Besides, it's always a delight to do something for a friend. Isn't that good? Hard job. Jameis Winston. Y'all know who Jameis Winston is? Yeah. 
You didn't sound very excited. And I'm not either because he played for Florida State and beat my Auburn Tigers in the national championship game. But I'm over it. I mean, I'm not bitter or anything about it. But Jameis Winston now is um, hes the quarterback, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. This past week on ESPN Radio, that great theological airwave, you know, radio program. That's what I was listening to Monday morning, by the way, as I'm coming to work. <clears throat> and I'm listening going, this is really interesting. James Winston was being interviewed by an ESPN reporter, and he went on to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, their facility. And he said, I want to show you a side that probably nobody's ever shown you. I'm not going to show you the weight room, the coach's room. I'm not going to show you the war room where we strategize and where everything happens. I'm not going to introduce you to the star players. Come with me. And this is what he did. James Winston took the ESPN reporter to the cafeteria. <laughs> and he introduced him, and he called him all by name. Called him all by name. Said, this is an ESPN reporter. I just thought it was important that he meets you guys because you're the guys that feed us. And if y'all don't feed us, we can't, we can't perform. So bless you, reporter. This is the people you need to be. And those folks in the cafeteria are like, wow, man. Really? And they said, come over here. I want to show you. I want to show you the hardest working people in all the Tampa Bay Bucks organization. <clears throat> and they went to the ticket sales. You know those people get behind the, the iron castle and they're taking the money, you know, and they're ordering the tickets and they're giving it to you. <clears throat> he, he goes in the back way, starts calling them by name. They say, what's up, Jameis? James says, hey, Sue. Hey, Robert. How are you guys doing? And they're like, man, we're doing good. Is this going to be the year? We're going to do it this year? Because we remember when we won a championship. And Jameis, we want you to lead us to a championship. He said, I want you to meet these people because these are the unsung heroes. These are the people that make our organization click. And then he made a statement. He said, these people were around when we won a championship. Now we're losing. And this is a statement he made, and it really messed me up. He said, losing is contagious. We all know winning is contagious, right? Success win, big, that's, that's success. But he said, losing is contagious. And he said, I'm so tired of losing. <laughs> he said, I won a national championship at Florida State. And all I've done since I've been, to, been here in Tampa Bay, he said, we just keep losing. He said, but these people know what it's like to win. They have a winner's mentality. And I just thought it was good that you meet him, these guys, because I believe because of people like this, we're going to win again. I just wonder, what? What did that ticket salesperson think? I mean, what if today, what if, and if I was more creative and I'd thought more in advance, I would have gotten a camera and went into the preschool right now at 12.0 whatever it is. And I'll hurry because I don't want to get them too mad at me. But anyhow, just go in there and say, hey, what are you doing? Quote my words to the pastor. Is everything all right? Is the place on fire? Do I need to get out? No. It's just we, we want to thank you because of you changing this diaper. And rocking this little baby to sleep, we were able to have an hour and 15 minutes of uninterrupted worship and preaching and praising God. Thank you. The unsung heroes do the hard jobs, all right? <clears throat> the last thing I want to say, and uh, I've got 
and like a lot more notes, but I just want to wrap it up with this. Unsung heroes are people of prayer, and I know his name is mentioned, but that's about it. Mataniah, his name is mentioned. And then what's more important, though, is what he did. He, he was a man of prayer. One time, what if you had one shot and we could encapsulate your life with one word? What would it be? For Mataniah, gift of Yahweh, you would have to put this, this attribute that he was a man of, of prayer. He was a man of prayer. Man, more, 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 more than ever in my life, in my ministry, more than any time I've ever seen in Christendom, we need these Mataniahs. We need these men and women of prayer who are seeking the face of God, praying. I'm talking about this Dutch Sheets book, Intercessory Prayer, that I just finished a couple of days ago. I mean, this is some serious book on warfare praying, praying for the salvation of our children, praying for the anointing of our leaders. I mean, it's it's like this, this guy who wrote the book said, I prayed for 30 days for an hour a day for one request. That kind of just pure, pristine, driven, we will, we will pray and we will ask God for his favor and we will ask God's anointed. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands, but how many of us do this? How many of us pray? I mean, really pray. Pray to God every day and Pray for our church. Pray for our nation. Does our nation need prayer? Anybody want to take a gander at that? Man, does our president need? How would you like to have his job? Do, do our senators, do our governors, do our leaders need prayer? Yes. And so we want to pray and pray for them. Well, if I'm in my closet and I'm praying and I'm hidden, nobody sees me. <laughs> Nobody sees me. But God sees you. And if God sees in secret, the Scripture says He does what? He rewards us openly. So I'm going I'm to wrap the sermon up like this. i got this good story, but I'm just going to let you all... You can get the manuscript. It's all there. There it is. And i got another story. It's all there. But I, I, just, I feel like the Holy Spirit saying, do it. Do it now. Strike while the iron is hot. Do it now. What are you doing? Serving God in your church. Sure, I'm not doing a darn thing, Brother Dan, but I like you. I like to come and hear the message, and I'll, I'll flip a few dollars there every now and then, but don't not doing a thing. <laughs> well, God bless you. Let me just kick you in the rear for just a moment, all right? Let me, let me just give you a swift kick in the rear and say, please get busy. Serve God somehow, some way. You say, well, you know, you're talking about greeting guests a minute ago, and I'm an, I'm an introvert. does not matter. Introverts make great greeters because they'll just focus on one person and go, hey, hello, how are you doing? You know, it's just like, it's awesome. You know, I can drive a golf cart. How many of y'all can drive a golf cart? Can I see your hand? Bless you. Some of you are going, I can't drive it a lick, man. I ain't driven it. I know. So I bump into things. I know, I'm, I'm really serious as I can be, guys. Terry, Ross, Stu, Danny, am I, am, I, am I saying the truth? Are we at a critical time? Big time. Big time. So we, we need, we need a, a, a revival of volunteerism. 
Here lately, I've had a number of people start to come up to me and say, what, what do you need? What do you need me to do? And I, I'm just like, thank you, Jesus. Um, in a moment, I'm going to be teaching our volunteers, all of our Connect Group guys, and I'm going to share them with you. probably take me 20 or 30 minutes to preach the rest of this sermon, but I'm going to for you. You're welcome. It's just for you. Now, those guys, a couple hundred of them, they are, they're busy and they're working. But what are you doing for the kingdom of God at Great Hills Baptist Church? If you're a member here, you need to be serving here. If you're a member here, you need to be giving, you need to be serving, you need to be helping this local church be the best she can be. Would it, would it be awesome if you, if you didn't have a title, Garrett, let's say you just didn't have a title, and you got here like 10 o'clock on Sunday. Now, by, by the way, I'm talking to you because you don't do anything, right? Say, right, I don't do a thing. And what, if, what if you just started walking around the parking lot and praying? Or what if you just found people and say, hey, welcome to Great Hills Baptist Church. I know it's a big church, but we just people. The bathroom? Why, come with me. I know where the bathrooms are, sister. I can't go in there with you, but I'll show it to you. Come on. Here's the bathroom right over there. You say, well, that's the silliest thing I ever heard. Let me tell you, friend, people don't know where the bathrooms are. They don't. They don't. They don't. The people come onto this campus, they're like, oh, my word. This is amazing. Where are the bathrooms? Where's the preschool? How do you get in here? Daniel told me a story the other day at 1145. There was a couple over here. They were trying to get in. They were shaking the door. Shaking the door. You said, well, they ought to know that it's 11.45. They should have come at 11. They did, I don't know why, but they were 11.40. What if we had people just walking around 11, 12 o'clock, just, just looking for people to come in? Oh, come here. I'll show you. Here, you take my seat. I, I really think this is a destiny moment for great. To the degree that we will do what I'm saying today is the degree that God's going to bless us and the degree that we do not do this is we'll just keep on quit growing. That is a word from God. I don't have a whole lot of original. That is a word for you from your pastor for such a time as this. We keep doing what we are doing. We're going to keep getting the same results we are getting. People showing up, not being greeted, not being shown where the bathrooms are, nobody in the parking lot. See ya. I'll go to the next church. Oh, I'm tired. Oh, God. Oh, God, would you do what only you can do for my church, Lord? I'm, Lord, I'm out of tricks. Lord, I'm out of preaching. I'm out of everything. God, I don't know what else to do. I don't know what else to do, God. But we're at a crisis, Lord Jesus. We are in a crisis, and our people don't even know it. I had a lady come not long ago. Lord stood in line for 30 minutes to check her child into our child care. First time guest stood in line for 30 minutes. And I don't even think anybody spoke to her, Lord. God, what, what am I supposed to do? How do I communicate to the people that I need them, Lord, and we need them to help us, oh God? Help, just help us. Yes, we need your tithes. Yes, we need your teaching. Yes, we need your deacon. That's so important, but I just need servants. I need people to say, I don't need my name. Just let me serve. Yes, I'll sing in the choir. 
I didn't know we needed choir. Listen, church family, you're praying with me. And I'm telling you, when people come to Great Hills and it's three-fourths empty and the, there's, there's 30 or 40 people in the choir, they're like, what's wrong? I don't think I want to come back there. There's something. Man looks at the outward appearance. God looks at the heart, but man looks at the outward appearance. Show up. Serve. Get busy. Help me. Please. I'm, I'm pleading with you in prayer to God humbling myself before the people of God. Lord, be with our teenagers. God, they're brilliant. Lord, they can do all kinds of things. Lord, Teresa could use a bunch of them in worship care. God, send them. Send these precious people, Lord, to know how to play an instrument. Lord, all I can play is the radio. I can't play nothing. Lord, I, I can't do hardly anything but preach. But God, I want to preach, and I want to I serve this church, God, and I want to see this church have some days like she used to have, God, when it's full and when there's, there's the glory of God and people are being saved and things are happening. Oh, God, I long for that day, oh, God. So, Lord, if they can sing, let them sing. And if they, if they can't, let them sing anyhow. Lord, you know my heart, and I'm going to pray this prayer before my people. I would trade... Every recent accolade and invitation that I have received nationally and locally, if but Great Hills Baptist Church would thrive once again. I wouldn't go to the White House another day in my life. I would turn down the Christ Together Greater Austin Chairman of the Board. Lord, I'd give it. God, I'd, I'd give it all if this church would be revived, would be healthy. And she wouldn't be 500,000 undergiven, overspent in June or whatever that is. God, I would, I would give it all if revival would come to 10,500 Jollyville. And I'm praying, Lord, I'm praying for it. And I'm fasting, and I'm fasting for it. And there are many people, Lord, we're seeking you, Lord. This is a sleeping giant, and when she awakens, the kingdom of darkness will be penetrated. So I'm asking, Lord, to rise up among your people. Lord, cause us to just fall in love with you and say, here I am, Lord. Send me. If you're here today, friend, you don't know Christ, you don't have a relationship with him, I invite you, come on. It's past time. Give him your life. Come on, get busy serving Jesus. Give him your heart. Give him your soul. Listen, you can't earn his salvation. It's free. But once he saves you, it's time to work. It's time to get busy. Lord, would you do what only you can do? And I'm I just give it to you, Lord, and I'm trusting you for it. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let's stand. Let's sing to the Lord. Just sing out to the Lord. Come to the altar and pray. Maybe you just say, God, what is it? What do you want me to do, God? What do you want me to do for this church? Lord, I want this church to thrive, oh God. What is it you want me to do? Holy Spirit, tell them. Holy Spirit, teach them. Bless you now as we sing, as we worship the Lord, and as you come.